2: Have you ever noticed that there is never a shortage of talking heads? People wanting to give their opinion, knowing that their opinion is the best of all opinions, specifically podcast hosts. But really, if you want to find an opinion about something, you do not have to go far. You can turn on the TV. You can watch CNBC or CNN or your local channel. Hear people talk about investing and what they think is going to happen. You can go on Twitter. You can scroll down YouTube. You can go on TikTok, where there's 13-year-olds driving Lamborghinis selling you the next get-rich-quick scheme. They wake up at 10 a.m. They click some buttons on their computer. They're up 40 grand by the end of the day. Bing, bang, boom, get a Lambo like me. But then there's the worst of all, those podcasters. They just know everything. Just kidding. Please don't leave me. I need you. You validate my worth as a human. But really, there is a lot of information out there. And who you listen to is important. I'm glad that you're listening to me today. I've done a lot of research this week, and I've watched a lot of interviews, and I've read a lot of financial articles, and I've compiled the collective wisdom and outlooks of top-tier investment professionals, and I want to share with you what they expect in 2023. So today, we are hearing from the gurus and their 2023 outlooks. You're listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley, and let's get into it. Fun fact. That's right. Today's fun fact. Did you know the first word spoken over the internet was low, L-O. It was supposed to be login, but the computer crashed after the letters L-O, so now That's history. And that was today's fun fact. All right, the first guru I want to talk about and hear from actually, we have got a clip. It is Stanley Drunkenmiller. What a name. Drunkenmiller made it big as a hedge fund investor for over 30 years, where he amassed a personal fortune of get this $6.4 billion. And I know with governments passing trillion dollar stimulus bills and well, Elon Musk lost $45 billion in just one day of trading the other day when the Tesla stock tanked so hard. 6400000000 billion doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot. Billion is a lot of money. And Stanley Druckenmiller made his fortune by investing money for both himself and for people. He's been doing it for 30 years, so he's seen a lot of stuff. Now he manages his money just through a small family office. He closed down his hedge fund. Until 2000, he worked with the famous George Soros, and the duo famously bet against the British pound in 1992 and made a crap ton of money. There was a really good interview that he was on last year, was with CNBC, and Stanley is explaining why he thinks we are in for a hard landing and tough recession in 2023. So here is Stanley Drunkenmiller on CNBC talking about the 2023 upcoming recession.
0: I will be stunned if we don't have a recession in 23, don't know the timing, but certainly by the end of 23, I will not be surprised if it's not larger than the so-called average garden variety. And I don't rule out, not my forecast, but I don't rule out something really bad. Why? Because if you look at the liquidity situation that has driven this, um, we're gonna go from all this QE to QT We're following an asset bubble. Um, We've been doing all this uh, running down on the SBR, which is now, that's the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's now below 84 levels, even though obviously oil consumption is much higher. Um, We've had a bunch of myopic policies that have actually delayed the liquidity shrinkage. QT has been almost entirely offset by Janet Yellen running down the treasury savings account. By the way, pretty amazing policy she could have sold ten years for under one percent during this time and said she runs down the treasury savings account so all that has mass liquidity shrinkage but it really comes into full gear and she can continue this for a while we can do the SPR for a while stimulative stuff but by the first quarter of twenty three it kind of goes the other way so our central case is a hard landing by the end of twenty three but i don't know the I've been wrong on a lot of things. I could be wrong on this, but since I do it for a living, that's our forecast, which is a recession in 23.
2: <laughs> so sorry about the, uh, the audio-wise. He's, he's at a conference called Delivering Alpha, and he's obviously talking to a bunch of nerds because he's using lots of industry jargon. But basically, yeah, what he's trying to say is that we are in for a bad recession. And even though the, the Fed has been selling bonds, which is quantitative easing. He, he's mentioning QT, which is quantitative tightening, and QE, which is quantitative easing. Basically, QT is when a central bank sells its accumulated assets, aka bonds, in order to reduce the amount of money that's currently circulating in society. So Stanley Miller is saying, basically, the Fed has just dumped money and money and money ever since the 2020 COVID crash. Banks around the world, both the U.S., Every developing nation in the world has been printing money to try to basically spend ourselves out of the hole that was the COVID-2020. So now he's saying they no longer are doing this quantitative easing. They're no longer just throwing money out. For the last year or so, banks around the world and the Federal Reserve here in the States has been quantitative tightening where they're selling their bonds, trying to restrict the amount of money that's out in society. And even though the Fed has been selling these bonds and tightening liquidity and ruining the stock market in the process, governments around the world and the U.S. have been, as he said, myopic policies. And Janet Yellen, uh, who's a U.S. um, worker here, has been running down the Treasury savings account, creating mass liquidity problems. So on one hand, governments seem to be working against what the Federal Reserve is doing. Federal Reserve is trying to stop inflation, and the governments just can't stop themselves from printing money. And because of these myopic policies, he thinks it's going to be a bad recession. And if you've been listening to the channel for a while, we, we talked about it. We've just literally, I think the last episode, we're talking about a uh, recession's expected. Uh, the Economist, a leading magazine here in the, really around the world, has said it's a 100% guarantee that a recession in 2023 is happening. But what Stanley mentions is that it's not just going to be your average run-of-the-mill recession. He is expecting a bad recession with apparently a lot of liquidity shrinkage. He he said liquidity shrinkage quite a few times. I think he may have been trying to get the host to laugh, but that dude was like a, it was a block. He wasn't laughing. Liquidity shrinkage and a recession. That's Stanley Drunken miller billionaire hedge fund investors outlook for 2023. All right, who's up next? Morgan Stanley. Morgan Stanley sent out their 2023 outlook to their high net worth clients. And in that email, they said this. The 10-year treasury yields will end 2023 at 3.5%, which is down from the 14-year high in October 2022. They like mortgage-backed securities due to favorable pricing. And if you have been investing, if you were investing in 2008, you probably just twitched a little bit because mortgage-backed securities are a huge reason of why the great financial crisis happened in 2008. Who knew we could still buy these things? How is this possible? Do we not learn lessons as humanity? Here we have Morgan Stanley saying they like mortgage-backed securities due to favorable pricing. Gosh. Anyway, take that for what you will. The S&P 500, they say, will tread water, ending the year around 3900 but with large, violent swings along the way. And take note, this recording is on January 8th, 2023. And the S&P 500 is currently at 3895 So they think we're going to have a lot of ups and downs throughout all of 2023 and end the year basically exactly where we are. Emerging markets and Japan markets will out-deliver double-digit returns. It's interesting. Emerging markets and Japanese market will deliver double-digit returns. I thought about this one when I read this. I looked into it and it reminded me I was actually working as a financial professional I was advising folks and helping them get into ETFs and mutual funds in 2005, 2006. And emerging markets were all the rave. There was this one fund that everyone really liked. It was called the BRIC Fund. It's Brazil, Russia, India, and China. And I remember that they were the darling. Like if you wanted 30 40% returns, you were looking at these emerging market funds. And really why that is is because after 2006, basically – governments around the world, especially in the States, quantitative easing became like the policy. Just print money and print money and print money, and you don't care what's going to happen to inflation in 2022. So quantitative easing is happening, and there's money being printed. And since money was now cheap in the US and British and Australian investing markets, emerging markets didn't seem worth the risk. Because as you invest in emerging markets, you are taking a risk of less stable governments for the most part. So if you can have cheap money And you can invest that money in markets like the United States and England and Australia. It didn't seem worth it to take the risk of the emerging markets, and they fell out of favor. But now it makes sense, You know, reading this from Morgan Stanley, U.S. growth and around the world, developed world is expensive again. Here in the States, the lending rate's like 6%. If you want to get a mortgage, you're going to get that from the bank at another percent, so you're looking at 7 or so. And I can see the train of thought as to looking into emerging markets again. If you want to do more research... Maybe I'd take a look at it. Actually, I will be personally taking a look at Vanguard's MSCI index fund, which is available both in the States and Australia, as well as the iShares Emerging Markets Fund. Might be worth taking a look at and doing some due diligence. If money stays expensive, the emerging markets might be worth the while. Finally, Morgan Stanley says the oil will outperform gold and copper in 2023, ending at 110. I'm assuming that is dollars per gallon per barrel not per gallon. Ooh, 110 per gallon. That'd be rough. $110 per barrel of crude, unrefined oil. Who's up next? Let's talk Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs is also warning their clients to, quote, remain cautious given the high risk of a recession. Here are five tips from Goldman Sachs to navigate the 2023 upcoming market. Number one, own defensive sectors. Hey, I just said that last week. On the episode How to Invest in a Recession, I said own defensive sectors. I am a genius. Specifically, Goldman Sachs says defensive sectors with low interest risk like healthcare, consumer staples, and energy. God, it just feels so good when you say something out loud, especially recorded, and then someone who actually knows what they're talking about backs you up. Oh, anyway. Okay, moving on. Goldman Sachs number two. Own stocks with leverage to decelerated inflation. So if companies have a lot of cash, that's something you want to look at. They've got leverage available. Number three, avoid unprofitable long-duration equities. This would be companies like Uber who have, yes, a high potential, but literally no revenue. Big tech companies a lot of times don't have any sort of actual profit or revenue. Although they're a great idea, although they will be staying companies, right now they're just smoke and mirrors. So only invest in companies with profit. Avoid unprofitable, long-duration equities. Number four, own companies with resilient margins. They didn't mention it, but I'm thinking of companies like Dollar General, which is a local $1 store here in the States. Maybe Domino's, companies that have great margins because dough is really cheap and they make 12 I don't know, $15 pizzas, cost them $2, 3 4 to make after labor and everything. So there's good margins in dollar stores and Domino's and pizzas companies. Okay, number five, Goldman Sachs. Avoid companies with vulnerable margins. If the recent decline in selling general and administrative expenses reverses, you do not want to be holding vulnerable companies with bad margins. That is the Goldman Sachs 2023 outlook. Okay, now we're going to hear from Bill Ackman. He's one of the best known investors in our modern times that's currently still at it. You know, He's overshadowed by Warren Buffett and some of the greats, but Bill Ackman has cut his teeth. He is a Hard-working investor, and he does a lot of interviews, so a lot of people know who he is. Here's a quick clip of his 2023 investment forecast.
1: I think once the market starts to see inflation taper, and if taper, you know, if inflation tapers pretty quickly, they can begin to predict that the Federal Reserve is going to take its foot off the brake a bit and perhaps start taking down rates. I think that will be a perceived and probably likely buying opportunity. So I think that's a potential catalyst more toward the end of 2023 uh, for markets to, you know, people starting to get excited about owning equities again. We still have the overhang of a war, right, in Ukraine. Uh, And, you know, does that continue for another six, nine, twelve months, two years? I think it's not noble, but unfortunately I think it continues. Uh, And I think that will, you know, continue to cloud the economic picture in Europe. Uh, I think it will continue to have an impact on energy prices, food prices. Um, So it's, it's a challenging time, and, you know, we try to find businesses that are incredibly resilient, and you know, we call them sort of super durable growth companies, businesses that regardless of what's going on in the world, you know, people are going to listen to more music next year on more devices, with more apps on TikTok or otherwise, and that's why we like owning universal music, which is a royalty on people listening to music. You know, we think people are going to be continuing to renovate their homes, which is why we like, uh, you know, an, an interest rate environment where you can't, Uh, you can't move because moving means you got to give up your 3% mortgage to get a 7% mortgage. We think people are going to be, people want to upgrade, are going to upgrade their own homes. So interesting. I like what he said there,
2: right there at the end. People will be looking at upgrading their own home instead of moving homes. Bill Ackman, this billionaire that sits at top of the penthouses in Manhattan and looks down on the rest of us, is actually thinking about how we think. And maybe that's why he became a billionaire, because he thinks about how people think, and then he makes money off those decisions. I'm not really sure he's totally right, though. Like, if we have a really bad recession, like what Stanley Drunkenmiller said, if we have a real bad recession that lays off a lot of people, then I think we're going to have less home remodeling, specifically here in the States, but around the world as well. But if we have a lighter recession, if interest rates flatten or begin to come down a little bit, then, yeah, I think Ackman might be right here. People will be look it makes sense that you don't want to spend seven percent on a new house and the new house is already gonna be more money and then you gotta pay the realtor and you gotta move and yada yada yada. So it might make sense that you're instead gonna take some of the possible extra cash that you have and you're gonna pay a remodeler to make your house that you're currently stuck in a little bit more livable. So if he's right about that, then I would be looking at companies like Home Depot or Lowe's or maybe West Farmers in the ASX. These could be companies that might be worth looking into if Bill Ackman is On the nose here. Earlier in the talk, he mentioned that we may see no long-term buying opportunities until the end of 2023. So be patient with larger non-dollar cost averaging purchases, because that's two different people now that have said late 2023 for buying opportunities. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I got one more clip from Bloomberg TV with Eric Robertson, the chief strategist at Charter Standard Bank talking about his expectations of the Fed moves in 2023, and then we'll wrap it up.
0: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which
1: Let's do a quick
2: recap of what we've heard so far. Billionaire investor Stanley junkin thinks the world is headed for a nasty, not so small recession. Specifically in the United States, we're going to have a bad one because politicians will not get out of the way of what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. So inflation is going to stick around and push us into a recession. Morgan Stanley has told their clients to look into emerging markets, which I found very interesting. Goldman Sachs said to be patient and maybe look into some defensive sector stocks. But don't do anything until the end of 2023, they're telling their clients. And then we just heard from the polarizing Bill Ackman, who thinks the end of the year might be finally a good time to buy. And in the meantime, look for streaming companies like Spotify or Apple or, I don't know, pick your favorite streaming company. And then look at home improvement companies, because people might want to be remodeling their homes that they are stuck in because they can't afford the new mortgage rates. Lastly, I want to end with a quick clip from a chief strategist at Standard Charter Bank, Eric Robertson. He was on Bluebird TV lately, and he was talking about the Fed's work in 2023 that is yet to come. Let's roll that clip.
1: Our view is that the Fed stops raising rates. But what the market has done is shifted very quickly from an aggressive rate hiking cycle to an assumption that we reverse dramatically. Uh, and there's, you know, o- over 100 basis points of cuts priced, uh, you know, over the next, let's call it 18 months. Right. We think that's premature. We think that's aggressive. Um, and the way we think about that is, look, we're going, we're getting a growth slowdown. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see some softness in the labor market. But as the Fed has, has rightly highlighted, inflation is still extremely elevated.
2: Inflation is still extremely elevated. And they are working so hard. They are trying to get inflation down to 2 to 3%. And we might end up hearing them say, like, look, we'll deal with 4%. But the goal of the Fed is to have liquidity in the markets – and inflation at nominal levels of 2 to 3%. So while we still sit, and we haven't heard from the most local CPI report that's coming out here in a couple days, where we currently sit at 7-something percent is not acceptable according to inflation standards. So inflation is still a problem, and therefore the Fed has to continue raising rates in 2023. Best case scenario, Eric Robinson said, is to not hike rates, but just to keep rates the same. And if they keep them the same, that would be a sign to the market that normalcy is possibly heading back our way. And hopefully, if we can get some normalcy, that means a long bull market to follow. Personally, I am very cautious still. I am dollar-cost averaging each month into my long-term investment portfolio, and I'm keeping some cash on hand for more active and attractive buying rates in my other portfolio. If I think we're coming closer to the bottom, which I will look for in the VIX hitting high and the Fed pivoting and some other things. But until then, who the heck knows? Because finding a bottom is difficult. So I recommend high quality blue chip stocks. I personally like investing in the entire market ETF funds. Put it on autopilot and wish for the best. That's it for this week. You've been listening to the Guru's Expectations of 2023. And this is My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley, and we'll see
1: you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license.
2: only
1: from rustolium